Our number two, the run over Joel and Fletch, True Crime Tuesday. Richard's out here putting with the Michael hat on. We've got uh, Dean Edza, Toby Dow. They're ready to come off the back fence. Caro's going to join us a little bit later on. It's all happening. And particularly welcome to our New Zealand listeners, by the way. Just on that, Brian, um, we do get some of the text coming through for the New Zealand show in the hour prior to this. I wanted to send you this, and we might start doing this. Uh, apparently, he was, wasn't in top four under 20 number 10s as a schoolboy star. What would they be talking about there, you reckon? Say that again. This is a New Zealand thing. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he wasn't in the top four under 20 number 10s. Beaver. You reckon it was a beaver? It was a beaver or... This one here too. Those Algerian princes getting one over on Beaver yet again. Oh, yeah. He's That's gone, a New Zealand text He's line. been scammed. He's been scammed. Because he got scammed by the Nigerian prince. Yeah. He answered one of those letters. He did. He did. So if you know what they're talking about, uh, you are listening through the New Zealand show, of course, SENZ. Text if you're in New Zealand, double eight double three, or slide into our DMs on Instagram at Joel Fletch, SEN. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Without further ado... We go to these two great men, Toby Dow, your true crime Tuesday aficionado, joined in the back line by Dean Edza, who's quickly becoming Batman's Robin. The boys are here. How are you, gentlemen? Good boys. How are we? Outstanding. We're going, dude. Oh, Chriso's just walking. <laughs> yes, Chriso. <laughs> One of the greats. Okay, so just recap. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the. We're just live on. We're just live on there. Yeah. <laughs> Go well, Chris. Uh, let's um, bit of background, sugar, about so, okay. the Lunar Park. So we are featuring train. the Ghost Train documentary at the moment, which is on Netflix, started on the ABC, and it's absolutely exploded in the states. Where I think you'll find it's number one on Netflix at this moment. I think you'll find that. You'll need to check uh, Fletcher's nineteen ninety four book of facts to check that. But what happens is the story starts, and I've only seen the first episode, and I, I look forward to seeing the end of it, where, unfortunately, four kids from Waverley High School yep. have found themselves at Luna Park. They board on this train, this ghost train, and they're never to be seen again. Yep. Now, a, a person who was supposed to be in that cohort that particular day is right here with us today, Dean Edzer. Yes. Who is the partner... Not partnering crime, it's a play on words, but with <laughs> Toby Dow. Yes, okay. Well, so, perfect. Dean, who we originally got into True Crime Tuesday, nothing to do with this. No. Because Dean's the son of Hollywood George. Correct. Who's got plenty of stories to tell. And we may get to those if we have time. Firstly, Toby Dow, good afternoon to you. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. Brian? G'day, Topes. <laughs> In fact, before we get on to Dean, because um, you sort of teased us here, Brian, um, Chum texts through. He says, hey, Fletch, what bread is best to use? I've now got a rash and very, very itchy on the boys downstairs. Yeah, it's, it's white bread. He said, I only had whole grain in the cupboard. Ah, it doesn't work. He said, I think that was the problem. That is the problem, chum. <laughs> it's got to be white. Take the crust off, dab it in a little bit of water and just mould that bastard. So why did you suggest that Toby was some kind of authority on said subject? <laughs> yes, because Toby comes in here. Toby's known for dropping a little bit of bread down the duds. <laughs> in the old days. Is he a bread dropper? Yeah, in the old days. Uh, anyway, let's talk, I'm going to talk about bread okay, dropping. Okay, well, forget off the toaster. He's a bread dropper. Okay. Let, let's go to Dean Ed's. So, Ed's. Let's talk about you. You were in, not involved, but they were all your mates, those poor, those poor kids. Yeah, unfortunately, back then, it was 1979, and all the kids, like everywhere, I suppose, you, you all used to congregate at the one bus, depending on where you lived, and you, that's what happened to us. We um, we used to get the, bu the bus outside of Franklin's down at Rose Bay. Black and gold, never folds. Yeah, and um, so we all used to congregate out there and, and get the bus to Waverley, and um, obviously we became friends. A lot of us all around the same age, you know, we were in year seven and eight when this happened, so it was back in 1979. 
But, uh, yeah, there was Michael Johnson, uh, Seamus Rahilly, Jonathan Billings and Richie Carroll. And unfortunately, um, Jason Holman was there as well. And he was one of the mates off the bus and at Waverley. And him and I were in year seven at the time. And the mm. other boys were in year eight. But because we were sort of always travelling to school and to and fro, and we played in the same footy teams and yep. cricket and stuff. Um, and then, unfortunately, also, too, there was a lot more people invited. So there should have been probably about 20 or 30 there. Um, not saying that that would have been the fatality, the end result, but uh, poor Jason, because they were that he was the odd man out, there was five, there was two to a cart in the actual wow. ghost train ride. So they lined up two, um, Richard and Jonathan and then Seamus and Michael, and then Jason didn't have anyone to ride with, so he was the last one in. And as that occurred, and the story will unfold a bit later, but as that occurred, the flames, as the doors opened, they're quite heavy doors at the ghost train, and as they opened with the bumper bar, the bumper bar of the car, the flames just shot up everywhere. And the attendant, thank God, grabbed Jason around the shoulders and neck and just dragged him out of the cart. Wow! Oh, so, so, so the kids all the other four kids went in before him. Before him, and so he okay. So he yeah. reacted to the flames. But unfortunately, too, there was another family there, um, the Godsons, and they. Um, there's a story there as well. The mother. Jenny actually asked them, it was getting a bit late at night, and they asked them if they wanted to have a drink or an ice cream, and they all wanted a, an ice cream. So she said, well, I won't go on the ride, and I'll go, oh. over, I'll, I'll go and get the ice creams. And the two young kids and the husband um, entered into the... They entered into it actually first, wow. and then the boys were in last. So Jason was the last person that actually... Uh, saw it all happen in front of him and you know it absolutely wrecked him you know there was no coming back to school and any of that that scenario oh, it, he he had the rest of that time off and was never really the same since and did, you don't and you don't blame him for that sorry Dan, did he get burnt did he no him? no he he actually because the the flames were there and they came out of he could see them it all going on and happening in front of him but um Luckily, the attendant was onto it, and he just grabbed him when the doors opened. It was a split second. If those doors shut, he's he's in there. Yeah. But the, another strange thing too is, and you'll probably see it um, in the documentary, they had an aerial view of a map of where they actually found the bodies, and Richard had actually had the right idea to try and exit. So they were the, the, the people that were actually in the actual ride at the time mm. and going around and getting scared in the ghost train. They actually some of them got out. Oh wow. Um, Richard, they found his body quite a fair bit away from where the actual other boys were. They all stuck together. Um, but they did actually t get some survivors out of there. Can I ask you, Ed, were you going to go? Why, yeah, why, yeah. Why, why didn't you go? Yeah, so basically mum uh, rang Mary Carroll, Richard's mum. Because the invite went around everywhere. It wasn't just a, you know, it was, a, it was sort of like whoever could go. And it was the first time that, you know, being 12, 13, that we were allowed to go out. And it goes that I wasn't allowed. So... Mum rang Mary Carroll up and said, look, I hear your eldest son's going to be chaperoning the boys to, to the Lunar Park. And uh, she said, no, that's not right. She said, they're all going on their own for the first time. So mum came home, dad said, absolutely. So was that, was that you telling a porky so you could go? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, we're all telling porkies, yeah. um, which we were good at at 12 and 13. Yeah. Oh, so you each tell yeah. mum and dad, oh, yeah, so yeah. and so. Yeah. No, knowing so, you couldn't go by yourself. Yeah. yeah, so there's no way, you know, my old man had just said no, no way. Well, anyway, so, yeah, so basically I got stopped from going and quite a few others did too, you know, being parents of 12, 13-year-olds. Yeah. And Waverley College back then too was a little bit wild. So, mm. uh, yeah, it was, it was basically, uh, the answer was no. Wow. What was life after at Waverley like? Because my son, 
goes there now, as you know. Yeah. Right, we're going there now to the presentation night, uh, graduation night. Yeah. There's a plaque at the school still now with the names of the yeah. it's, guys lost. What what was it like, like the day after? And Well, back then we had the the 95% of the teaching staff were all brothers. So there weren't many day teachers. So the brothers did a really good job. We were, you know, they had to deal with a lot of kids that were shattered, obviously, because all of their, they just lost their mates. And um, they did spend a lot of time trying to get, you know, guide us all through. But I feel, so the sorriest I feel is for Jason Holman because mm. he had to not only, you know, see it, but um, he's had to live with it the rest of his life. We sort of got on with life, but I think it would be very difficult for him. Ed's how long after the tragedy did people start asking questions because i know we're seeing it now retrospectively with yeah. with this uh, netflix doco but was was rumors around that time saying oh it was deliberately lit or were you for a week or two weeks what was going on well as kids obviously we we're only 12 and 13 yeah. we didn't really know too much but um what how it all panned out was that the police and the the police minister in charge of the actual investigation he he said it was an electrical fire within 24 hours so they all started to get a little bit, you know, people outside of the circle because there was a few main people that were running the investigation and they said, well, how could you determine that it was due to an electrical fire? And it's, it's now they've got on the docker, you'll see, that they actually had fire, the fire and the photos and the actual lights. They had the, all these old carnival lights that went around a lot of the rides back in Luna Park and they've got these old photos that you can actually see all of the lights still on and all of the flames still shooting out of the ride. So it couldn't have been an electrical fault because if it was, it would obviously there'd be no power to those lights, and it would the, you know you wouldn't have been able to see them on. So that sort of you know it, it raised a lot of eyebrows, um, and the police in charge actually started to interview people that were there and adults and different people that were at the scene, and found out that um, yeah they found out that it was actually. A lot of kerosene obviously involved and then they found that there were bikies there that had actually done it uh, and just they had really um, the problem with it was they were meant to light the fire after it had actually shut down so they were trying to basically burn Luna Park down so that from a development point of view they'd be able to get in and build apartments and do what they wanted to do so if they were doing that why the ghost train what, what was the... That never ever got to no. that, but I think, you know, the building back then, a, a lot of the building went up pretty quickly too. It was all different flammable... Oh, yeah, it was all the old timber. Yeah, old timber and flammable materials and all of the things that came out to scare you were all very flammable as well. But uh, they said that the bikies that were involved were linked to Abe Saffron. And who was? Uh, well, Abe Saffron was the Mr. Big of the Cross back in those times, in the back in the seventies, and uh, until he passed. But he ran most of Kings Cross. What have your old man ever come yeah. across paths? Yes, with him? yeah. And look, the, we, even with Abe Saffron too, um, I think ten of the large commercial buildings that he owned all ended up burning to the ground. So, wow. So he was 10 for 10 on lighting fires. Do you think maybe the reason why you weren't... And that was proven, by the way, was oh, it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you reckon the reason why you weren't allowed to go might have been... Look, um, you know, there were a lot of different people involved in it. And, and if you watch the actual documentary, which is interesting to a point, I mean, it's sad for all of us that were there and we knew that, you know, they were mates of ours. But it's interesting to see the back side of the story and what was involved and why they did it. And a lot of it had to do with powerful people in government, police, commissioners, and a high court judge. Oh, yeah.
So yeah. there was a lot of, um, yeah, there was a lot of interest in it and a lot of covering up. They wouldn't interview, they wouldn't interview a lot of people um, about it because they had too much information. Right. Um, your dad, next story. More clues. Your little story about the old man. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I'd only just got my peas, so <clears throat> I wasn't a very good driver. But um, Dad got a call one night, and um, I'll tell the first part of the story. A, a very well-known man in the eastern suburbs called Jack Rooklyn, very good sailor, and he introduced poker machines into Sydney back in the 50s, 60s. He lived next door to Justin Hems's family, and they're beautiful properties that look straight up the harbour, and they're massive. Like they've got caretaker cottages and you know beautiful yes. grounds, and they're really they are mansions. Anyway, there was a guy from Europe who actually um, he thought it was a good idea to start robbing all of these large homes around the eastern suburbs on the waterfront. So the first place he picked on was Jack Rookland's. He was armed with a knife. He held it to Jack Rookland's throat and threatened him and got into his safe, took his money, and he had a gun in that safe. So he took that as well. He then went on and robbed the Hemises multiple times. But the funny thing with this guy was that he actually lived in voids. So like Fletch was saying earlier, he wasn't that skinny, Fletch. No. <laughs> so he, he wasn't Fletch Stanley. Yeah, no, no. no. So he, he actually was living in roof spaces. And he'd Fat Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd, and he'd also be in, because um, these homes were massive, beautiful mansions, they had, you know, big walk-ins and a lot of wardrobe space. And he, after they actually caught him, they went back and they found all of his hiding spots. So anyway, cut, cut to the chase. Uh, he'd been robbing the harbour front homes. He gets around to Point Piper, around Lady Martin's Beach, and a good mate of Dad's, Lionel Abrams, had a beautiful home down there on the beach. They'd gone out to dinner, come back home, and his wife rang Dad screaming, saying someone shot Lionel upstairs. Anyway, cut, it turns out that it's this guy that's been robbing all of the, all of the wealthy people around the harbour front. Anyway, so Dad screams at me, get the keys, we're off. Ooh. So we jump in the car. Dad's got his gun. He thought, thought he was going to a Western or something. This is not going to get you in trouble, this story, is it? <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> anyway, so the next thing you know, there was a constable from um, Rosebay Police who had got there first. And he wouldn't go down the stairs because he was on his own. So we ran down the stairs and all of the kids are downstairs crying with their mother. And upstairs was Lionel with this guy wrestling with him. And he'd shot... Two shots had rung out, gone through the walls of the bedrooms. And when we got to line, it looked like he'd been shot in the head because there was just blood absolutely cascading off his eyebrows and you could hardly see his eyes. Anyway, he'd been pistol whipped. And just reminding the listeners, you're, you're, what, you're 17 oh, or 17, eight, 17, yeah. yeah. Um, so this guy had a pair of stockings over his head and it was partially being ripped off in the fight with Lionel. He jumps out the window down Lady Martin's Beach, and so we think he's gone. So the ambulance has arrived, the police arrived, they've got pole there going around trying to find him. But this guy was a cheeky bugger. He went, came back, and in between the beautiful mansions that are down there on Lady Martin's Beach at Point Piper, there are massive big bushes and gardens and stuff. He'd positioned himself with bottles of vodka, food, and pillows. So he posited, posited himself up and watched the whole event unfold wow. with the police investigating the whole thing. He didn't even take off. So he's lying in wake in the bushes watching the whole thing, drinking vodka and eating. Oh, dear. Yeah. So and, and, and probably thinking, well, this is... I've had enough time to go. This is the last place they look. Yeah. So he sat there and waited the whole time. Anyway, 
a little bit time went by and Justin Hems's dad set a trap with dad and Lionel and everyone that was involved at the Hermitage. It was that was the name of their property on Rose Bay. Anyway, so the security guards laid in wait and they ended up getting this guy and they caught him and Dad got another call, but I wasn't invited to drive to that one. <laughs> so, is, it fair to say, is it fair to say he never robbed again? He didn't look good after it, no. no, um, no. But he ended up serving 14 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he served a lot, but because he, he'd done a lot of bad stuff. Anyway, it, you know, with what he did with the guns and knives and all the rest of it, and not only the, obviously, what he'd done with um, threatening people, but, yeah, there was a few get squares on the guy. <laughs> was he part of the kangaroo gang? I know we were speaking off air about the, the kangaroo gang. What no. was the kangaroo gang, Brian? So they were Aussies that went over to London. Yep. Uh, and you can jump in whenever you want, Ed. And we just went on a, yeah, on a spree. They were they were basically organised crime. Yep. Just robbing everything. They, yeah. were, they were mates of dads. And back in those days, they were called tea leafs. And they would <laughs> take anything from perfume right through to sofas, safes, whatever it is, Melbourne Cups. Wasn't there a gang? Wasn't there a gang called? Yeah, there was a gang, the no, kangaroo. But, but there was a gang called the corn beef gang who yeah, would just yeah. rob corn beef. <laughs> <laughs> they just rob corn. That, no. Like, yes. That was the end. Each, don't you dare. Yeah. Don't go. Now. Yeah. No. It was just all about the corn yeah, beef. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, the, but these guys were. They would go into the stores over in. And there's a the movie. white sauce too. <laughs> oh, the white sauce is great. <laughs> but they would go overseas and no no um, robberies or anything. It's all by trickery. So they would dress up as princes, cowboys, Indians, you name it. They yeah. had. They had um, more in their outfits than, you know, Fox Studios. Merlin Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then would they come back and share the spoils or was just the gang? Oh, no, they went there to do it for work. It was there. Yeah. It was a monetary thing. It wasn't, you No, know. but what I'm saying is, did they have to come back? Was there, like, a big boss back here or...? There may have been, Brian. I didn't ask too many right, questions. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, is where this is why I'm a detective journalist. <laughs> but the way they did it was, uh, it was no one's ever attempted it again and no one's ever been as successful as mm. they were. They went through jewellery stores a whole lot but they did it through trickery so it was a little bit like what you see on the um, what's his name's movies when they take the casinos um, oh, yeah, yeah. Ocean's, uh, 11. Ocean's, Ocean's 11 Ocean's 11 oh, it's similar you wouldn't to believe that. that you wouldn't believe that Ocean's 11 was released today really yeah Yeah. so it's similar to that yeah. very, very, very similar to that yeah it's very interesting isn't it yeah. You can say it, Tobes Conundrum yeah, yeah Conundrum yeah, of course Tobes you can. I, saw, I didn't have one until I saw today yeah, so yeah. you're you're the Warriors coach yep yeah, okay Fullback next year, mm -hmm. do you keep Chans there or do you go Roger to a Shaq? I'll keep Chans. He'll keep Chans. Yeah, I would say keep Chans. I'd chance. put Roger on the wing because then you've got two basic fullbacks because the, the centres don't. The, the thing was about centre or fullback. Yeah. Because centres don't touch the ball as much as a winger. And you want Roger with the ball in hand more than you do. Jeez, I tell you what, that'd be a pretty handy, uh, strong carry from the back. That's what I'm saying. DWZ and RTS. RTS <laughs> and C. And Charles and Nickel Clockstead. Yeah, CK. Okay. <laughs> just get just get them all yeah, back with there. AFB. Don't there for yeah. one more year. Yeah. It's a hyphenated team. Yeah, heavy hyphenated team. That'd be a good back three, wouldn't it? Yeah. Don't mind that. What I don't have the answer for you, but Ed, at least it's mine. It's what about? Can I? Um, what about back in the day? Remember, like the old. We've only got a minute. I know, but the old Wharfies. Yes. How they were. 
We've you and I have still got a few friends that are no, down. No, I know, but they can't. They can't be doing any of the old no, tea leaving. Of course, there's not. No. But it used to be like it'd just <laughs> kick open and you'd get Reeboks. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine's dad always had Reeboks. They never worked there. Yeah, they, they never worked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, funny thing, actually, with Toby and I, we've got a good mate called Matthew Fleming, and uh, he was very good with sand shoes and uh, Asics, <laughs> and uh, he was very, he was very good to all of us. Mate, I remember. Thank you, Matthew. I remember just training here when we, about '95 at ES Marks at the chooks yeah. and there was a guy who would come around and would just sell back of it like literally the, off the back of the truck Samsung? leather no not they were like leather jackets yeah i think it was arthur's arthur beaton's mate because yeah. he was always knocking around <laughs> arthur you need to be a big leather jacket for arthur oh gosh yeah, that was good I, I got sold one day from a, a player in our club and i won't mention his name crackers no i won't <laughs> mention his name. No, no it wasn't crackers that no, wasn't crackers that no, wasn't crackers and it wasn't at the, the tigers actually it was at the dragons um, these fake golf clubs, the Cobras. Oh. Did you guys get, get stuck uh, in yeah, those? They were, they were made in Hong Kong. No, were no. they? Yeah, I, the heads were late, late 90s. Yes. When I used to be my old life a flight attendant, Joel. Yeah. And when we used to fly to there, there was two places you'd go to. Mm. You either go to the fake fakes or the good fakes. Oh. And I'll tell you now, you get the really good fakes, you wouldn't know the difference. The only difference was when your head comes flying off <laughs> after your first shot. Yeah, like, they, they had that rank sound. to go, ting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they stole the... Molds that yeah. made the that's how it's done, so you wouldn't know with the real good ones. Okay. You just wouldn't know. I wonder what he's doing these days. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, it was in the break anyway. <laughs> one, one 300 1170 boys, true crime Tuesday. Ed's thank that you for coming beauty. on. Thanks, Toby, now outstanding. Thanks for the year, boys. Good luck thank tonight, you. boys. Yeah. Uh, I know you got your big night tonight, so we'll uh, we'll catch you soon, eh? Thank you, Joel. J- just on this, uh, Budster likes creamed corn and mash. With your corned beef. Oh, yeah. Well, he needs the corned beef. I'm having corned beef tonight. White sauce. Yeah, I know. But what are you going to have with your corned beef? Cabbage, carrots. You've got to have that. That's the old school stuff. But now it's turned trendy. Now they're selling it for like 80 bucks. Have your kids ever had corned beef? Yours, Tobes? Yeah, of course. They've had corned beef. Mine, mine hate it. Yeah. And they've, they've tried it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids have never touched or seen oh, corned really? beef. Get it and I need to make that change. Get it out of the tin. Yep, get it out of the tin. The <laughs> run over Joel and Fletch, True Crime Tuesday. Oh, Caro Meldrum Hatter's going to um, take up the second half yeah. of the ghost train, which you can see on Netflix. Great to have the boys here at Moore Park Golf Club. The run over Joel and Fletch, more to come on the other side of this.